Welcome back to the Will Lab Podcast. I'm James Marshall, and this episode is brought to you by Straight Face Razors. Now, I love getting feedback from listeners who have given the razors a go, and they're absolutely loving it. That's awesome to hear. So if you're keen to make the most of this special offer for Waterlad listeners, head over to waterlad.com, click the Straight Face logo down the bottom, and it'll take you straight to the page that gives you a brand new razor with four five-blade heads with 50% off, already added, ready to be sent to your door. How good is that? Also, Pure Sport CBD have been changing listeners' lives with their Unreal product. People with ongoing pain, struggling to sleep, or even anxiety, this stuff has helped out our listeners massively. So to get involved with this, use the code WATERLAD20 and put that in the promo code. And once you've done that, you're away. And yes, you can get that into New Zealand and Australia. Anyway, let's roll the intro. Now, not many people had a crazier 2020 than today's guest. From having no contract and looking for a job to making his international debut for Scotland in about the space of six months, one of the best career turnarounds you will ever hear, as well as being an international and an English Premiership star. He is also one of the great lads who throughout his career has never been shy of a diesel. So we may get some good stories in this one. It is, of course, the absolute lad himself, Scott Steele. Welcome, Steely. Cheers, mate. What an introduction. Um, great to be on. <laughs> Loving the podcast. Um, bit nervous, if I'm honest. Um, but now, really excited to be on. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure to get a lad like you on here. And you've just been named in the Scottish squad for the summer tour. How good's that? Yeah, mate. Amazing. Um, obviously, I was involved in the, the autumn and the Six Nations stuff. And then since coming back, I've had a bit of injury issues, so I've not played that much, but um, great to be involved in that and hopefully get back playing soon for Harlequins and then kick on into that, which is exciting. So you're not fit at the moment? Uh, so this is going to be my first week back. I had a hernia which happened back in November and then just sort of battled through with it and it was it was all right at the start and then just got worse and worse and got to a stage where I went and saw the surgeon and said, yeah, we need to get this done, so that about five weeks ago been training for the last maybe two weeks sort of modified just doing bits and bobs and then mm. um yeah hopefully hopefully in the mix this weekend for for harlequins we play sale on the friday coming up so yeah fingers crossed i'm in the mix and it'll be good to get back out there you must have obviously made a huge impression on the scotland coaches while you're in the squad up there to still be getting picked without even playing uh, I think it's more that Ali prices went on the line, so there's there's not many other options. So they're like, right, we have to pick them. So we'll get them back in. Um, but no, there's there's a few. There's a guy, George Horn, He's played he's played a fair bit, and then there's another guy that's uncapped actually at scrum half. So um, yeah. picked quite a young, exciting squad. I think there's 17 guys or so that are are uncapped. So um, we go out to play Romania and Georgia. So good opportunity to, to sort of play these these younger lads and, and see see what they're all about. But uh, for me personally, now I'm really excited to obviously have another opportunity to, to try and pick up some more caps. So you were named as a halfback? Yeah, uh-huh. um, I was a bit 
bit disappointed they didn't just put me as utility uh, after my couple of cameos uh, during the Six Nations. But um, you know me, Jimmy, I, I love the, the sort of physical side of the game. So my opportunity yeah. to play back row against Ireland was uh, scary, but also it was a dream come true for me. Mate, you could play absolutely anywhere. You're one of those guys. So good. You're so good over the ball. <laughs> I know. That was my dream. I was just in that Ireland game. We had quite a lot of the ball. And if anything, I was disappointed that I didn't get a chance to try and get a few <laughs> jackals. But um, no, I was just happy I made it through, uh, you know, all good and didn't have to go off mm. injured. And playing for Scotland. Unbelievable. What, what a journey. But anyway, we better start at the start before we get too far into it because... That has been some journey for you. So let's let's take the listeners back to the start. Life growing up in Scotland, what was that like? Good, um, really good actually. Um, real sort of sporty family. Um, dad played a lot of rugby growing up and, and was always involved in the local rugby club at Dumfries. I've got two older brothers that play. Um, so playing with them in the garden, stuff like that from, from day one yeah. was, was what it was all about. And then, yeah, I grew up playing there with, bunch of really close mates that still speak to now and just your know, classic sort of local rugby club real family sort of rugby club and um grew up playing there and grew up played there until i was about 17 and stuff like that and um and that was really, really good um yeah southwest scotland dumfries pretty small town not not much to do so um yeah i'd love to get stuck into to football and rugby so um now i can't can't have any complaints on that front was it always rugby or did you play a bit of football? Because I remember you being a bit of a wizard playing a oh, well. little bit of football before game <laughs> training at um, Irish. I would say game respects game, Jimmy, but you were one of the funniest people to watch playing football in them warm-ups. Um, I could tell that you didn't play that much growing up. That's all I'm going to say. Um, I actually did. Oh, that's even worse. What happened to you, mate? And I, I was a gun in New Zealand. Oh, different level, different style of play, maybe. Got to you. It must have been that. No, I, I definitely yeah. lost my confidence. Oh, yeah. you guys were all good. Real good. Yeah, London Irish were probably better at football than more at rugby, which is probably a telling <laughs> fact to how it went. <laughs> Too much time playing football and training, not actually doing rugby stuff. Um, no, I played a lot of football growing up. Played at school. Yeah. Um, went to Kilmarnock, which is like sort of top top tier Scotland at like sort of 13 to like 16. Um, top tier Scotland football doesn't say that much, but at the time it was a big deal. Um, and then, yeah, played for a fair bit and played in a really good school team. We won our sort of national competition a few times and got to a stage where it was football or rugby. And it was a lot of traveling back in the day up to up to Kilmarna, like three times a week, um, missing out on sort of uh, social side of things with mates and stuff like that. And then uh, just, yeah, decided that I had to knock the, the football in the head. I was playing rugby on a Saturday and then travelling up the road to play to play football on the Sunday. Um, it was just getting a bit too much, so decided decided to go with rugby. Um, like I said, for the more, more that social side, getting to actually spend more time with my mates and hanging around after games and, and having a good time. So it was really that that sort of uh, made me do it. Um, but nah, no, no regrets. Loved it, no doubt. Uh, yeah, the changing room. Uh, clubhouse it was, it was a great place to be after games like any good rugby club so um, I think that was the thing that swayed me um, but yeah love love playing football still watch 
a lot of football and enjoy it, but um, pretty pretty happy with the decision I've made, how it's all turned out. Yeah, fair enough. Look at you now. And so then after, once you made that decision to play rugby, I guess, then your next step was somehow making your way into the Leicester Tigers Academy. How did that all come about? Um, it was pretty random, to be fair. So I played like the age group stuff, like Scotland, 17s, 18s, and, and we, we played against England, who had a lot of Leicester guys playing with them. And we had a Leicester guy in our team, an XL, through like his, his granddad or something, could play for Scotland. So he played, played in the Scotland team, and we beat them for the first time in a lot of years or whatever. So um, he just got in contact with me, saying that there's like a shortage of scrum at Leicester Academy and that they, they needed a nine. And um, so he basically said, just get in touch with the coaches. Here's an email address. So I just sent an email address, um, uh, an email across. Um, I was like, didn't really know what to say. Just like, give me a shot, like whatever. So <laughs> me and my mum and dad sat down and were like, right, okay, sent this email. And they were like, yeah, well, come down for like a two-week trial. And it was like, all right, that's sweet. So went down two weeks and it was like the most intense training I've ever done. Like at that stage, Leicester was pretty old school and they really tested your sort of character all that kind of stuff and uh went down for two weeks and then like yeah um we're going to give you an academy contract for for the year um like basically still reliant on mum and dad and stuff like that it was absolute pennies um but in that year they they had a crisis at scrum half injury wise i think like ben young's went away with england second choice got injured third choice got banned for like six weeks and then it was just their fourth choice and they had no one else so I was there and ended up playing in the premiership when I was like 18 and played like True. off the bench like three or four times and I was going this is unreal this is easy professional rugby straight in class yeah and then so after that I signed a, a two-year like senior sort of contract thinking this is going to be amazing more of the same like crack on and then no one got injured played about three games in two years and was on loan yeah at Loughborough National 1, and I was going, right, this is probably actually how it goes <laughs> for young guys. I, I just got extremely lucky um, to play in them few games and, and not have a howler, so they so they bat me. But after, yeah, two years there, that was more the sort of reality of senior rugby moving into a, a, a team at the time that was like winning premierships and stuff. So first year, yeah. great. Two years after that, not so great, just sitting around holding a bag and and basically just being a professional rugby player but not actually playing any rugby, which was tough. <laughs> so that must have been um, intimidating going into that Leicester starting. Or were you starting, or that Leicester playing side? Nah, bench, mate. Well, bench. Don't get carried away. <laughs> 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 but, yeah, it was intimidating. Because they, 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 they had a lot of big names at the time. They had, like, so, like I said, Ben Young's, like Toby Flood, Castro Giovanni, um, Scott Hamilton, like all these sort of Craig Newby, all these oh, sort true. of like big dogs that had played uh, international and and all over the place, and to come into that, it was a bit you know rabbit in the headlights sort of thing. And as a scrum half, obviously you're trying to organise people, tell them what to do. But as yeah. an eighteen year old just sitting there going, I'm not really confident enough in myself. Never mind to tell him what he's got to do, etc. So it was a bit yeah chucked in the deep end, but. Um, I think from a from a career going forward at that stage, it was it was a good way to do it, and it was intimidating place in general at Leicester at that time. It was quite um, mm. quite tough, quite abrasive. You needed to, if you were a young lad, it was just get your head down, get on with your work. Um, if you felt like saying something in a meeting, 
you got told not to say it because you've been told to shut up pretty sharpish. So right. um, it taught me a lot of lessons that way, especially if you you go into move club and you want to get your head down and all that kind of stuff. Um, I sort of learnt that from early on. But um, no, it was good. It was good experience. I think we, we ended up winning the, the LV Cup that year and I was on the bench for that. Um, oh, yeah. Didn't get on, but... Um, celebrating like we'd won the world cup basically it was, it was love and life and um make, <laughs> celebrating as if i basically single-handedly won us the tournament but in reality i'd done very little um but no they were all amazing experiences like i said um but yeah it probably it probably was a bit tough at the time but it definitely helped me for for moving forward yeah what was the initiation for leicester tigers back then um pretty brutal to be fair so you had to get down the uh, front of the bus on an away trip or whatever. Um, I know how we had the paddle thing at London Irish when people would like, you take yeah. your top off, people would slap your back after a song. There was no song. It was just, you had to try and touch the back of the bus. And guys oh. weren't slapping you. They were basically battering you. So you would just run down the bottom and guys would be like on the back of the seats, like kicking you, throwing punches. And it was more of a, popularity contest so if you were liked <laughs> by the guys you would you would get off pretty lightly if you're a young lad you, you were getting it regardless and I think there's only a few lads in the history of that actually made it to the back of the watch and touched it so you basically ran until you got basically beaten up enough that it was that was it you were done and you go and sit back down so you'd like be excited to make your debut and st- oh, I know mate it's brutal you're excited to make your debut but in the back of your mind going I don't even know if I want to. I don't know, I don't know if I want to do this challenge or not. Um, so, yeah, it was pretty tough. But like I said, if, if you'd came in and guys weren't really liking to you and uh, you had, you know, a bit of, if you fancied yourself a bit or whatever, then you were getting a tough, yeah. tough time. But Jeez. if you kept your head down, you were all right. Uh, you sort of got, got away with it a bit a bit more. But, yeah, it was pretty scary. That's just the less. That was the Leicester way. That was just the Leicester way, and that's how they said it was done, and they were winning stuff, so it was all good. But looking back now, I don't think you'd be getting away with that. <laughs> yeah, at least the Irish, you got to you got a chance to get out of it by yeah. singing a great song. But that way, you got you yeah. got your stack. No, no chance. No chance. Just just pure violence. Yeah, just pure violence. <laughs> oh, so you moved down to Irish. That was. Was that pretty much to chase game time? Obviously, you had been sitting on the bench or holding the back pads for a long time yeah. at um, Leicester those next sort of three years. So, was that did that sort of inspire the move down to London Irish? Yeah, hundred uh, percent. Just basically got to a stage where I was like, well, I can do this for another couple of years or whatever. But um, it was that, or take a chance, move somewhere and try and play. Um, at the mm. time, I remember speaking to them and they were like, "Oh, you're going to move to." London Irish like bottom of the table sort of team and all that kind of stuff where you can stay here and yeah. win stuff and I was like I'm not going to be the one winning stuff I'll be the one <laughs> holding the holding the pad or running the water I was like that's not really a celebrating good argument like you have. come with <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> pretending to be a professional rugby player basically um so it was yeah it was a move to to try and try and get some more game time and like any sort of like coach will tell you the best way to get better is by playing um so yeah that was that was a move and a few guys that had moved to irish the year before me from leicester uh johnny harris a prop uh jimmy stevens at hooker and alex lewington obviously oh, um guys that you'll know so 
Um, they moved the year before and they were in the same boat as me. They were not playing or they were on loan to Nottingham and were doing well there, but just regardless, we never get a chance. So uh, they moved and ended up playing 20 plus games for Irish. And I thought, right, well, um, gives me a bit of hope if, if they're able to go there and do that and actually play and prove that they can play in the Premiership, then might as well might as well go for it and take that chance. So, um, yeah, that's that's why that's why the move came about. And you did get that. You did get a starting spot straight away, didn't you? You impressed someone. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there was two two scrum halves ahead of me that were like pretty senior, and I was definitely going as a third choice nine. Um, and then ended up, yeah, but our first game of the season was was against Harlequins at the Twickenham doubleheader sort of thing. And yeah, when they, when they sort of read out what that was starting, obviously grafted grafted hard in pre season, and they were impressed, and and they backed me. Um, yeah, but that was a moment when I was like, right, well, I've definitely made the right choice here. Like, if I'd been involved, like, even on the bench, or I got told that I might play in the, the LB Cup in the European games when I moved. Um, but then to be involved in the in the first game in the Prem was, was unreal. So I went from playing at Loughborough in National 1 uh, in front of, you know, two men and their dog at the sidelines. No atmosphere <laughs> whatsoever. First game... <laughs> Uh, Irish was in front of sixty thousand people at Twickenham. I was thinking, oh. right, well, this is a bit different. So that was that was pretty amazing. Um, we we lost the game, but it was pretty tight. And as first games go, I went all right, pretty solid. Didn't didn't do anything. Um, didn't have a howler, but didn't wasn't spectacular in any way. But it was just one of them that sort of settled the nerves and was able to crack mm. on after that. And you kept your spot throughout that season, eh? Yeah. So. Um, we ended up, I think we finished ninth or whatever, which was at that time was all right. It was basically we didn't want to go down and, and we managed to stay up and win quite a lot of games towards the end of the season and ended up playing, I think, 20, 25 games or whatever. So, mm. um, yeah, a real good season for me, sort of a real realisation that, right, well, I can I can sort of play at this level um, and sort of putting in doubts at the like that I had before of like right am I good enough or if I'm not getting a game at Leicester is that is that for a particular reason etc. So um, now it was a real good year. Coach like you said liked me. Great great bunch of lads there at the club that made it easy for me. Um, and yeah, it was just that sort of like really sort of uh, made that decision like the the right one in that way that I could turn around after a year and go and right well I've actually played a fair amount here. So um, yeah, it was good. But then that coach left, and then a couple of Kiwi coaches came along. Talk me through that year. Uh, yeah, that was not so good. Um, so yeah, <laughs> coaches came in. Uh, lots, well, they were all basically southern Southern Hemisphere coaches came in, um, brought a few players across with them, like yourself, big superstars coming across. I had, I hadn't got um, there by this point. I I was still I was still watching from afar. Hoping that you guys could stay up. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was right. You were you were sitting there nervous watching the games, <laughs> crying. After Come them. on, Steely, win this one for the boy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, mate, I let you down. I let you down. <laughs> um, yeah, so they came across um, and just basically tried to tried to play a quite different style of how we tried to play, and don't think we had the the players or the, the sort of squad to be able to do it the way they wanted to. Um, and it, yeah, it was a, it was a real tough year, um, a lot of change, like you said, at the club. And for me personally, I still still played a fair bit, but um, yeah, it was probably 
pretty dark. So going from the first year of being this is great, playing every week and we're going all right and we're pretty solid sort of thing in the in the premiership to to that year was was real tough. Um and yeah, it was just quite quite a tough place to be in coming in after getting not just beat but absolutely smashed most weeks was was pretty tough to to mentally deal with and having to to go again but um yeah just one one of them things that didn't really work out yeah so what would you put that season down to other other than the coaches trying to play a southern hemisphere style what else sort of went wrong in that year uh i I don't think as a playing group we really really bought into it we had quite a lot of senior guys there that were played a lot in the premiership for years and they and they sort of saw these guys coming in and I was, I was probably too young to even realise it was happening at the time but yeah. um, there was no real buy-in to, to what they were trying to do it was pretty made up early on that right this is going to work and if you've got people on different pages coaches trying to do one thing players not really agreeing with it then it's never it's never going to work out well and like I said yeah. with the, the players that we had in our team it didn't really suit we wanted to play with Sort of our big ball carrying back rows in the, in the wide channels, but the problem was we, we weren't really good enough to get it there half the time. So our best ball carriers aren't <laughs> even picking up carries, which doesn't make sense. But you can understand what they're trying to do and what they basically were trying to do is what a lot of teams over here are doing now anyway. So I think it was just one of them things that the they didn't really get a good buy in. There's quite a lot of guys coming to the end of their career and sort of were thinking, well, I'm not I'm not going to change it now, sort of thing. This has worked for me in the past and. Um, yeah, just a couple of them factors, and the fact that mm. our squad probably looking back now wasn't wasn't good enough to really to do that, or or even if we played a different game plan, it was it was always going to be tough to stay up anyway. So yeah, all them factors mixed into one just makes for a cocktail of failure, basically. <laughs> <laughs> that buy-in's massive, though. You need to get the buy-in, yeah. or else you, as a coach, you're pretty much stuffed from the get-go. Yeah, it was it was the way that they, they sort of came across and were showing all the, everything that they showed was clips of of super rugby teams doing stuff, and you've got unbelievable mm. freak athletes doing stuff, and you're just going, great, but we don't have that. <laughs> like, we, we don't have that. And, and then, like, their knowledge of the league wasn't great, so they'd be, we'd be analysing teams and they'd be getting guys' names completely wrong about what they're going to do and stuff like that. And yeah. as a player, you're just looking at going like, well, they've not even really put the time in to sort of realise what's what and all that kind of stuff. So that'd be another reason that you sort of guys wouldn't buy in because of that. But um, like I said, it was just, there was a pretty settled group of like senior lads there that had sort of made the mind up early on what, what the deal was with the coaches and, and then it mm. didn't really work out anyway after that. Game over, yeah. So then talk to me about the year down in the championship. I thought it was really, really enjoyable year. Obviously going down there you're thinking, oh this is gonna be this is gonna be tough. Like no one really wants to be there. Um mm. good opportunity for the young lads to get a bit more game time is probably positive out of it and I think the way that the coaches sort of handled that year was was really good. We had a lot of rotation in the squad, so the guys were playing. Basically, knew knew what games you were going to play and rest before you'd even played them. So it was good in that terms. Like took the pressure off, and um, it was still pretty dark at some times. Obviously, going away at some tough places down at Cornish Pirates <laughs> and, and Nottingham away, and obviously the pitches aren't great and. Uh, yeah, weather conditions etc. Um, don't help. So 
there was tough times, but I think as a squad and as a sort of like going from one extreme to the other of like really down in the dumps the year before, week after week, um, you could not even you, you don't have to play your best and you still win, and um, boys would still be in, in good spirits and stuff like that, and um, it was really really enjoyable. I think the coaches did did quite well that year to sort of make the most of it of of a bad situation yeah. really. And you had a real good rotation going on, didn't you? You were two weeks starting, two weeks bench, two weeks rest. Eh? That was interesting yeah, set up for the nines. <laughs> yeah, it was great for the nines. That's yeah, we got sat down at the start of the year and we're told this this is the way we're gonna do it. It doesn't matter. Don't worry if you have a bad game because you know you're gonna start the next one or etc. Yeah. if you're on the bench. Um so it was great. Yeah, three of us really sort of enjoyed that. We all got on, so there was no overly guys getting annoyed because you knew the crack regardless so um mm. no it was it was great for us um um yeah it was it was a strange one though to get sat down and told like regardless you're gonna you're gonna do that it wasn't something that i've been used to before or a lot of guys have um but it was quite good you could plan your weekends when you had a weekend off you could <laughs> go go back home for me go and see my mates or have a busy one somewhere etc so um no it was good it was real good you you definitely would have made the most of those weeks off. Any good stories yeah. you've got from your times of those weeks off or, or the socials? Uh, we had a, I don't know what years the socials were, but um, they all sort of merged into one. But I remember <laughs> one of the best socials we had was with uh, Christmas time when we got split up into different groups in London and we were in the same group and we started in Richmond, did a bit of a pub crawl, whatever. Um, that was an amazing day and we were getting off the, the tube at once or like yeah we're getting off the train at one stage and we'd basically bullied Jacob Atkins the snake <laughs> and we ended up sellotaping him around the pole in the middle of the, of the train and we were just watching it was like right come on guys it's not funny now I need to get off the train soon I need to get off the train soon and we were just were like oh find your own way out mate find your own way out managed to all that sort of big muscle bulk that he's got managed to slide his way through the sellotape to get off um, slippery scales slithered got his way out. yeah <laughs> slithered his way out um, and we ended up in London in the central someplace and got to the stage where full day on the sesh and I was I was pretty steaming and Jeb Sinclair, the big Canadian that we all love, was like, right, right, young fella, get in a cab, you're coming home. So he dropped me off sort of near home, literally 500 yards from my home. Um, and I've obviously thought at that stage, oh, the, the night's not over yet. Right, I need to go and see what's happening. So I went to walk, stumbled across. Uh, it was near like Richmond or like London Scottish's ground. There was like a um, big sort of stall or whatever of like Christmas trees for sale. Yeah. Um, so I thought, right, I'm going to jump in here and try and steal a Christmas tree. I've not got one yet. It's only a couple of days to Christmas. <laughs> it's like two o'clock in the morning. So I've jumped in there like all over the place, like trying to pick up this Christmas tree. And I just remember these guys come out, these three or four workers, like proper dodgy characters, like gypsy looking guys. And I've just stuck there with this tree and they're like, what are you doing? I was like, could barely speak and I was just like I don't know, just, I don't know. So they take me into this cabin and I'm going, Oh Christ, this is the end of it for me. This is you've 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 had too many slip ups in the past. This is the last straw, this is it. Um they end up phoning the police, um police come es escort me well, take me back in the in the back of the van home and I've I've taken Snapchats in the van, trying to be a lad. 
being like, this is an interesting Uber. This is a funny looking Uber, all this kind of stuff. Put it on my, Insta- uh, my Snapchat story. Ended up getting home, woke up the next day, being like, that was a good night. Like, couldn't really remember much of it or whatever. Just go on my, in- my Snapchat. I've got loads of messages coming through. Like, what are you up to? What, what's this? Blah, blah. <laughs> Look at it, and I'm just like, oh, no, what have I done? <laughs> so I get to the club on the Monday, and I'm sketching out. I'm like, surely no one knows. It should be all right. Like, not that bad. Um nothing was actually done. I didn't get any sort of fine or any sort of criminal sort of stuff. I was like, right, okay, I'll be yeah. fine. Come in, get through training. The fear got me through. Had a really good training session. Thought, right, <laughs> that's, that's, that's put everything to bed. I'm good now. And then the head coach, Nick Kennedy, just comes up to me and he's like, yeah, we had an interesting phone off a guy that you know sells Christmas tree and he was just phoning up and he heard your name and said, he was just checking up to make sure you got home okay. I was just like, bastard i was like he's just done that to tell them that i was there doing what i was doing and to be fair he sort of like he me and kendo had had a lot of these sort of conversations but he was like to be honest if there's one time that you can sort of let loose and stuff like that it's a social but just make sure you take care of yourself and behave yourself for the rest of the year so that was my first first one in that year which uh didn't really work out well because I ended up getting in trouble later down the down the year. But um, that was one of the best socials I've ever had. <laughs> what a story! But I do remember you getting in trouble. I thought that might have been the end of that story, but um, I do remember you having to train before the team came in and train mm. after the team had left. So what was that? What did yeah. you do that time? So uh, that was Will Lloyd Stag do. Um, great man <laughs> one of the great diesel guzzlers as you guys would say um, we had a stag day over in Dublin it was like the Friday Saturday and we come back on the Sunday unbelievable stag day it was class and uh, we got back on Sunday morning a few guys had came from all over the UK a few guys from Yorkshire Carnegie that Will would knew from back home and um, yeah so in the morning whatever we're staying in this hotel I'm like well we'll have a few drinks in the morning just to say bye to everyone sort of uh, sort of wrap everything up and we'll have a few drinks there then we get to the plane me Will Lloyd said the Chavez I think right well we can have a few more like let's 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 not let the hangover kick in just yet whatever so we get we get pretty steam in and then we get back to Twickenham we have a few more drinks um <laughs> I end up outside just passed out basically on the floor um, one of the boys calls me an Uber, uh, but he keeps my phone. So I go home, wake up the next morning, just get banging on the door. It's Louis, my housemate at the time, saying like, "Get up, mate! We've got train or whatever." And I go to get up, and I am still properly steaming, not like tipsy. <laughs> I'm all over the place. I tried to get in the shower. I'm like falling over, and I'm just like to him, "I can't go to training like this. There's no chance I can go to training." He's like, right, okay, like, what are you going to do? I was like, I'll phone the team manager and say that I've, like, been ill all night. I've hardly slept, whatever. Um, I said that I had diarrhea. Um, that was the one that I went for. Phone, went to phone him. I was like, I don't even have a phone. Like, fuck's going on? I was like, Louis, can I borrow your phone? So I phoned team manager. He's not picked up, so I've left a message um, basically saying that I've been up all night, hardly slept, like, really ill. Um and I'm not going to be able to make it to training today. So Louis goes off to training. I go back to bed thinking, oh, that should be all right. Fingers crossed. I'll get away with that. <laughs> um, come back from training. 
and Louis just like bad news, mate. I was like, what? They're like all the other guys that went to the stag do, they turned up like they weren't great at training that, but they turned up and it's not looking good. There's a lot of questions being asked. I was like, right, okay, this isn't looking good. So get uh, get my phone back off uh, one of the boys later on and and get a text. Right, you need to come in and uh, have a meeting uh, with the coach. Uh, it was something like half six in the morning I was going gee it's pretty early like what's that all about so got in for half six and the boys were meant to go and train against Bath that day um away at Bath so they're leaving early and he just came and he was like look I ain't buying this um we think you've had a big weekend you've either carried on on Sunday and, and ended up getting getting drunk again or you've just not manned up like all the other boys turned up they were a bit ropey and stuff like that but they turned up and did the sessions just you're not putting the team first, it's selfish, like proper grilling really made me feel like shit. And I was like, rightly so. Um, and I was just sitting there like, oh no, like hopefully I can just get to training, like get through the day and that'll be it. And he's like, right, you've got to turn up. You, you have to go home, you're not training for the week. It's a written warning and you have to turn up at seven o'clock at night to do your running. And it's just going to be fitness. You and the, the, the S&C guy, um, Robbie Palmer, he's going to turn up with him and do some, do some training. I was like, Christ, that's not great whatsoever. So I went back, just feared up the whole whole day, and then I turned up later <laughs> on at night to do my running. And you know, Robbie is a pretty like funny guy, pretty relaxed. And I was thinking, right, maybe I could have a bit of chat with him, and he'll sort of understand. He gave me absolutely nothing. He was just like, do this, do that. And I was like, oh, how are you? He's like, I don't want to speak to you, mate. I don't want like this. Isn't like we're having a good chat and it's all that's done. Right. Like everyone's fucking really disappointed in you all that kind of stuff and i was just sitting there going jesus like i expected it from the head coach but not from you mate come on <laughs> give me something so did them fitness sessions and i'd like was smashing it i've never ran so fast in my life fitness wise i was like the fear just getting me through it came back the next week and it was it was all good but then it was still a bit obviously not great i got told that i was it was one of them weeks that I was meant to start didn't start mm. um and then the following week or whatever, another boy Tommy Bell and ended up going on going on the steam when he shouldn't when he was injured and stuff and turned up the next day and he got and he got a grilling from from the head coach and he had to get up and apologise in front of everyone. Um, yeah. And the head coach was like, I should I should have made Steely step up and apologise a few weeks ago, but um, Belly, you have to get up and apologise to everyone. And as soon as that happened, I was just like went up to Belly and just shook his hand. I was like, thank you. And he was like, what? I was like thank you for taking all of the heat off of me onto you. <laughs> Everyone's forgotten about what I've done a few weeks ago. It's all about you. Thank you. And he was like, bastard. He was like, he was like as if you didn't have to apologize. I was like, mate, stop living in the past, mate. You really need to pick up your attitude. It's not good enough. So he, I, owe him, I owe him a lot for that, for really distracting everyone from what I've done. So the following week, so I thought I was, I was out of it. And then, uh, Brendan Venter came back in. You no, know, he used to come in for like a week or so, and that's when I yeah. was like, right, hopefully, hopefully he's not really heard about that or whatever. And then there was an injury or whatever, so I I ended up starting against Yorkshire Carnegie in the away game. It was like our biggest game of that year because they were the team that was like most likely to challenge us or who would meet in the final. And uh, Brendan Venter was going around the team like the guys that are getting this chance to start in this game. It's our biggest game. This is our our first choice team, you know, we're, we're not rotating for this one, all this kind of stuff. And he's going around saying, um, guys are unlucky to miss out, miss out. And he just points at me, he goes like, you are unbelievably lucky to be starting this game. You don't know how lucky you are. 
<laughs> after what's happened and all that kind of stuff. And I was just there going, Jesus, like, no pressure, whatever. Biggest game of the year. And he's putting all this on me. We played that game. It's like our big game of the year. It was on TV and stuff. And I, I played pretty well. I just remember after that, he came up to me and he just said, well done. That was it. Nothing more. And I was like, that's that's a good result. That's That means I've passed the test. I was like, thank God for that. So it was after that that I decided, right, I can't have any more of them. So I had to yeah. stay in line and, and, and battle down and make sure it was all good until until we got promoted. So you were all good from there on in? Yeah, uh-huh. I think it was it was all done after that. There was no no further things. Um, but yeah, it was just basically in terms of going out and stuff. I think I stopped drinking actually for three or four months. I was like, right, you can't afford to do it. Um, you need to really show them that you're actually making sure you're being a good professional and stuff. So I stopped drinking for yeah. three or four months and then it got to the final or whatever and then drank then. So, um, yeah, it probably wasn't the wisest thing because you go from no drinking whatsoever to like three or four days <laughs> on the steam. So after a couple of pints, I'm already all over the place. So I was like, the logic was good. The theory was good, but in reality, probably not the smartest thing. But um, yeah, it was, it was all good. It was all good fun. So obviously didn't affect any further contracts because you had another couple of years there or had you already signed by this point? No, no. So yeah, I went into negotiations after that and signed for a couple of couple of years after so um, oh, yeah. it's all good i loved it um i knew the situation we were in and um had a few chats with teams back home um being scottish and stuff the glasgow and edinburgh guys are always looking for scottish qualified players and stuff and they did a few chats with me but i loved it at irish i loved living in london um good bunch of boys and i knew if i played well on that team i could play in the premiership week in week out which is obviously a decent mm. standard and yeah it was I, I didn't really think about it i just thought yeah i want to be here so signed on for a yeah. couple of couple more years so how was your year up in the premiership after the promotion yeah that that was it was it was tough but it was a better it was a much better year than the year before when we got relegated um i think the coaches they were a young coaching group they came basically straight up from the the academy's coaching set up into the into the first team when we were in the championship and then they they obviously took us up into into the prem and i think the environment around the place was much better than it had been in the previous years um even though we we were getting beat most weeks like there was a lot that was a lot closer than it was before we picked mm. up so many losing bonus points in games and so many games were ahead and we looked back and we, we've thrown it away in the last five minutes or so um but as a team and as a squad, I think it was more everyone's giving everything here and doing our bit, but we're just falling a bit short or um, just not really closing out games and, and not being smart. Whereas the year before, there was a bit more of a feeling of obviously the whole coaches and there's a few guys that were probably at the end of their career and weren't really caring mm-hmm. that much. Sort of just um, sitting there picking up picking up their money and not really fussed how, how it went, sort of. Uh, results wise but that year even though we got relegated it was it was a different feeling to, to what it was before and I sort of felt for the coaches because they got like chucked in the deep end there um, mm. and to get relegated um, in the fashion that we did I think I remember at the time it was like no one had picked up as many losing bonus points in the season um, and like we did that year so showed that we weren't a million miles off but um, ultimately yeah, yeah it was relegation again and then them coaching coaching group sort of sort of filtered out. Um 
and that was that was a shame. Like being at a club, I was there for six years, and I had like six different head coaches. <laughs> it was, it was oh, mad. Right, it was like, right. yeah. One would come in, one would go out, and every time as a player, you're thinking, right, please, I'm, I need to prove to the the next coach <laughs> that that I'm a decent player or whatever. Like I hope I get picked. And I think if anything, it was it was a good thing for me to do that because otherwise I could get quite complacent and and be like, mm. right, well, I know that I'm roughly going to play games you know I'm going to be there around the squad that I'm going to be involved um but with that knowing that a coach would go at the end of the year I was like right I've got to really try and like hit the ground running with pre-season and stuff like that um yeah so it definitely kept kept you on your toes a bit not knowing who was going to come in and what players they were going to bring in etc so um but I did did feel for that coaching group yeah and how was that following year in the championship um that was not not so good for me personally. So the coaches had came, new coaching group had came in, and I'd, it was like the first time that I'd been left out the squad for the first couple of weeks, and there was no chat of rotation or anything like that the, the year before that we were in, and um, it got to a stage where I, I sort of walked my way into the team onto the bench, and um, yeah, we we were winning games and it was a different format, so we didn't have to worry about the playoffs. It was just whoever wins, oh, yeah. whoever finishes top goes up. So, um, like the year before, if it had been the case, I think we would have gone up with like a couple of games to spare at least, like three or four or mm. something like that. But, um, yeah, so that that year for me personally wasn't that great. Like the team was winning, but we could tell like for our squad compared to the other teams, like our our budget and our sort of like caliber of players compared to them. Uh, that year was like a bit of bit of a joke. We had a lot of internationals playing, but we weren't we weren't really playing the way we should have. We were winning games and sort of brushing over the issues by saying, "Oh, we've won." So, like yeah. we could have lost, it could be worse. Um, whereas in the past, obviously in the championship before, it was we were just like, "Right, we're going to try and set our standard to be as a Premiership team as what we want to be, regardless if we win uh, by." 40 points or if we, we win by two points if, if we do well and we play well the way we want to play then we'll, we'll judge it off of that so um, yeah that, that year was a bit tougher for me I ended up playing towards the end or well like halfway through the season and stuff like that and managed to pick up my at that stage it was like my 100th game against like Cornish Pirates at home and that was another moment where I was like well ideally I'd want that to be in the Premiership and playing in a yeah. in a big game against someone to do it at, Cornish Pirates at the the Mad Stad in front of about four hundred people <laughs> wasn't great, but at the same time it was an achievement. Obviously, and I was proud to to play that many times. And yeah. uh, mom and dad came down and and we won and I played well. So yeah, that that was decent. But um, we went up in the end. Um, but there was definitely a feeling of like right, if we carry on playing like that, then it's we're not going to last long in the sort of Premiership sort of thing. So um, yeah, that year wasn't. Um, it was it was it was all right. That's how I'd describe it. Just all right. We were, we weren't as yeah. good as we could have been. And for me personally, I did ended up playing a little bit, but nowhere near as much as I played for the the previous years. Interesting. And then the big year twenty twenty hit, and you get let go by the by London Irish. How did that happen? And did you get a reason and why you were let go? Um. So I wasn't. I was sort of in and out the team. Um. Started being like started. At the um, start of the season was playing, we had a in few injuries and then um, a few guys came in after um, the World Cup stuff and the competition got 
got a lot more intense and I was playing the odd game here and there, um, but sort of knew at the time, I was like, this isn't looking great for me. Um, maybe it's maybe it's time to move on. But at the same time, I was having quite a lot of conversations with the coaches and they were saying, whenever you've played, you've played really well and all this kind of stuff. And we want to sit down and chat about next year and getting something sorted. So that conversation dragged on and there was a lot of guys in the same boat getting told, yeah, we'll, we'll get something sorted. And it'd be like, right, you'll find out at the end of, end of February um, and then it was end of March and then the guys are going like, we, we want to get it sorted now sort of thing. Like, what's the wait? Mm. And it was um, sort of mid-March that I sort of went in and had a chat with the head coach and he just said, look, um, I'm really, really sorry, like, but there's no there's no space in the salary cap. Like, I've tried to juggle a few things around and stuff like that over the last couple of months, but ultimately there's, there's, no, there's no contract for you here next year. And I was going like, geez, like, I thought maybe because I wasn't playing, I would take a pay cut and maybe have an option to stay or um, whatever because of the conversations we had before. But um, to hear that news after after being with some like at a club for, for so long, that was that was pretty tough. And I was going, right, well, mm. he's left it quite late as well. So I've not got loads of time to sort something else out. Um, a lot yeah. of teams over here will do the recruitment and they'll get it sort of done by sort of like Christmas time, if not January. Um, end of January at like the latest so I was thinking right well it's not left me in the be- best spot here and then to make things worse like four days later I think it was the, the national lockdown because of COVID kicked in all the games were cancelled mm. told to basically go home we're not going to train for months so I was like right nice. I'm in a real pickle here Um, so yeah that that was real tough I was just thinking like what is going on like no teams no when we're starting again Um like when's that going to be like how much money they're going to lose so i managed i went, I went back home to my parents in, in dumfries and, and moved back there put all my stuff into into storage and was just hanging around and just waiting thinking right well i hope something comes up but it's not looking likely for the next couple of months because no one knows what's going on um clubs don't have a clue what's going on so they're not going to sign anyone and I was just basically like looking at my calendar, being like, right, at this stage, I stopped getting paid. Like, try to save up as much money as I could uh, to make sure that I could sort of outlast whatever whatever was going to happen. So, um, yeah, that was a, a pretty tough time uh, to just be waiting around and not knowing what was going on. Um, but being back home was good. Um, my mum and dad were great. Both my brothers and all my friends back home were pretty, really supportive. And, um, yeah, it was a real sort of time that I sort of looked at myself and thought like you've you've basically took the piss for like the, the majority of your career. You've not really knuckled down. You've been playing like pretty like massively overweight. Like you've been doing the bare minimum to to get by. And it was only at the the realization like oh that that might be gone now. Um, I was thinking like what am I gonna do? Like even getting a normal job in this sort of like in that sort of lockdown period's not going to be easy so what mm-hmm. are you going to do I was thinking right I'm at one stage like back home it's like like quite a lot of my mates are farmers and stuff I'm like I'm just going to have to text these guys and be like right can I help out in the farm just doing whatever I can um, and that yeah it was pretty scary and sort of because of that sort of like self-reflection I just thought right I'm just going to smash training as much as I have like work real hard I've got all day I've got no excuse really so managed to like bore a few weights from a local rugby team and 
mum and dad got a garden there so just set up in the garden and then would go down and do three to four running sessions a week just like end myself just to obviously lose weight and then also to like just sort of park that thought of not knowing what's going on and that stress so just yes like did loads of running so ended up I was like playing at like 88 to 90 kilos before and then I ended up like getting down to like 79 and was just in the shape of my life and was like this is weird like running around's not not as not as hard when you're not a fat <laughs> little nine um yeah. so I just had the mindset right I'll just train for as long as I can basically until like financially I've got to make a decision and and either work or, or decide what I want to do um but in the meantime if there is a contract that comes up then I'll be in I'll be in really good shape um I'll go in there and and, and try and impress and then make sure that I, I sort of make the most of it rather than just sort of cruising like cruising through my career like I had done before that mm. so when you say cruising through like I always remember you being a real hard trainer out on the field but was it your lifestyle choices and what sort of lifestyle choices was it other than probably pissing up yeah heaps? <laughs> pissing up heaps was definitely one of them um <laughs> sort of not picking and not picking and choosing the right moment to let your hair down like I'm not saying that I've went teetotal whatsoever like um, still really enjoy socialising and having a drink and stuff, but I was just any opportunity there was. If that's we've got training on the Tuesday and off on the Wednesday, like I'd be texting around everyone at the club or mates and stuff, just desperate to go out for for pints and stuff like that, and mm. just yeah, drink drinking too much. But my lifestyle of not not like diet was just completely out the window. Just takeaways, Deliveroo, just just overindulging and, and everything. Like you said, like I would train hard on the pitch and that's the way that would justify it, being like, oh, well, I'll do the I'll do the work on the pitch and, and all that kind of stuff. But looking back now, it was just, yeah, it was pretty, pretty embarrassing, honestly, if, like to, to be able to call myself a, a professional rugby player with the way that my lifestyle was. And then also just like, but did the bare minimum in the gym and, and just sort of, do ghost weights just walk around try to find my water bottle knowing exactly where it is so i was missing out on doing weights and and just that sort of stuff that's just not not ideal and at the time i'd always been in the mix and playing as well so i thought like if it's not broken don't fix it sort of thing at the time i'm just gonna do what i do and all that kind of stuff but looking back now when i started playing again once i had eventually signed at harlequins and stuff like um rugby just it's so much easier as a nine when you're not blowing blowing all the time and thinking yeah. a lot of stages when I was playing I was hoping my own team would drop the ball so there's a scrum so it'll slow <laughs> down so I get a rest. <laughs> another another tactic of of picking and going like having a snipe when it's not on because I could sit at the bottom of the rock and miss out for a few phases. Um, or just kicking the ball because I was fed up of our team having it and I wanted them to have it so I could rest a bit. Like, <laughs> stupid stuff. Like, looking Sorry. back now and then. So, getting in shape and, and, and losing a bit of weight and stuff was obviously massive. Um, and then just having a new appreciation of, of what it is to, to be a professional rugby player. Um, mm. And then moving to Harlequins, which is, is an unreal setup. Um, and the style of rugby they want to play is like real fast, flowing. Uh, keep the ball alive, keep hold the ball for long faces and stuff. So it just it fitted quite well. So I went in there and 
they because of the lockdown they had to condense the games in so we we're playing like on a saturday wednesday sunday and kept going like that so i knew that where i would go if i was going to the prem that i would end up playing because they would have to rotate so i think we had nine games to finish off that season or something like that and I ended up playing seven of them and, and going well and um yeah it was just a real good move and i was grateful for for them to sort of um sign me because they, they signed me as like a a third choice nine they had two like pretty danny Kerr and martin landajo like really experienced nines there and i was thinking right well like ideally moving there is not going to be great because they're probably going to play more than me um and i'm coming in as a as a third choice basically they're third choice was an academy lad that just decided he didn't want to play anymore and wanted to stop professional rugby so I was going in there like took a massive pay cut just to go there and play but at that stage it was I didn't have anything else I was like right I need to sign mm-hmm. something so uh, signing that and, and going there and the way the way it turned out it really personally for me like performance wise we, we were a bit inconsistent we play have a really good win one week and then drop off the next and then play well the next week it was up and down but um, for me, it was it was really good and um, sort of good to be being a team that's obviously trying to push on and, and win premierships and stuff, and to be able to contribute in a team like that's been been great. So um, yeah, looking back on that time, it was really like the toughest time in my life by far. And um, before that, it was pretty plain sailing. But looking back on it now, it's definitely something that um, I appreciate, and it's definitely definitely helped my rugby since then massively. Well, as soon as you went to Harlequins, you were on absolute fire. And I think, what, did it only take nine or so games for them before you get called in to the Scotland international side? Yeah, that was that was pretty mental. So, yeah, we I got called into the to the autumn stuff. And just, like, a few years before that, I was, like, so far away from it. Like, if anything, like, I'd sort of given up on that dream of, of playing for Scotland because... Yeah. I just I'd had a few phone calls in the past, but it was always oh like you're in contention, but you've missed out, and then then phone calls like stopped happening for the last two years before that, and I was just thinking right, well that's that's probably it done. Um, I was 27, I'm not saying it's really old, but at that stage I thought if I was going to play, I'd probably have played by now. Um, mm. to get called into that after you say like seven games or whatever it was, uh, was was unreal and a bit of a surreal moment for me. Um. And it was great, and it was just one of them that was it was it was more sort of to do with what it meant to like my family and stuff like that because what they'd seen me go through. Um, it was a big moment to to get called into that that squad, and I only ended up playing in in one game, but to even be sort of named in in that squad sort of shoot, uh, showed like where I'd, where I'd came like how far I'd came in that last couple of months. So um, mm. that was amazing, unreal experience, and just basically sort of to get that. Um, sort of recognition for for the the work that I'd put in and how I was playing at Quinns and mm. was was amazing and unreal, yeah. And how did the debut go? Uh, debut was interesting. So obviously it was COVID. So um, we played Wales um, down in at part Scarlets. It wasn't at the Millennium because that was set oh, up yeah. as a COVID centre. So I was like, right, I've played at Scarlets before. No offence, it's not the nicest place in the world to play, but um, beggars can't be choosers. And after the last like six months I'd had, I was thinking, right, doesn't matter where it is. So yeah. it was a pretty tight game, and uh, I think we were we were leading with like maybe like fifteen minutes to go or something like that. And 
we had a lot of injuries. Our ten went off with uh, just like at shoulder, and a few other guys got injured, and I got on, and I was on the wing, um, oh, and I was bricking, I was bricking it, because um, I was thinking, right, if I came on at nine, it's pretty like standard, you know what to do, all that kind of stuff. But I was like, if I miss one tackle here and they score, that's a game done, and like. Scotland hadn't beat Wales in Wales for like 18 years and there'd been all this hype about how we were going to be the team that does it and I was thinking I'm not a winger like what if they just put a high ball up on me and like Josh Adams or one of these unreal wingers just comes and plucks it out there I was like right so I was pretty nervous like um but I got through it made a couple of tackles hit a few rocks and and we won yeah. so that was amazing um and then I was thinking, oh, it's not ideal. Like no one's there to watch. Mum and dad couldn't be there to watch. But um, to be fair, like the, the sort of the staff at Scotland, they set up like a Zoom, so they could see my sh- like my cat presentation and all that kind of stuff in the changing room, oh, and cool. I could speak to them and speak to them after, and it was it was class. Like all my mates were loving it. Um, yeah, but that 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 was unreal. It was a bit strange, obviously, with everything that was going on and being on the wing, but. Um, yeah. to get that cap was was unreal and, and like a real special moment yeah oh how good is that and then obviously the big six nations you ended up having about four or five caps in that tournament didn't you and Scotland had a really good tournament yeah so went into that um, so obviously uh, went back to Quinns and played with them and then, and then got called into six nations squad and there was only two nines in, picked in the squad so I was thinking oh this is this is great Um Hopefully, hopefully going to play and ended up playing. Um, yeah, playing. I think it was like three, yeah, three games in that. Um, didn't go on against Wales. We had a few. We had a red card and a few injuries, and then didn't play in the last game against France. But um, the game against England was unreal. Like we hadn't beat England at Twickenham for like thirty-eight years. Um, mm. So to come on, come off the bench there for the last fifteen minutes or so, and and play well and, and, and to get that win. Put on an amazing. absolute clinic. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just box kicks. That was the championship oh. year that got me got me through that, just <laughs> kicking everything. It was pissing down my rain, and I just thought, this suits me, this suits me. Um, so, yeah, played played well in that, and to win there was unreal. But, um, yeah, it was quite quite surreal moment because a few years before, there was a crazy game. It was like 38 all. Scotland, uh, England at Twickenham, and I was sitting in like the the stands with a few mates and stuff like that, um, on an all day session drinking pints and watching a few guys that I'd played twenties with and stuff like that. I'd really kicked on and, and played well, and I just thought like, that's that's past me. Like, I've, I've, like I've not really fulfilled my potential here whatsoever. I was like starting over with these guys and was like playing in these teams, and they've like went on to do do like amazing things and. I'm just sort of plodding along, doing my thing, and then a couple of years fast forward, and then I'm I'm playing in that game that that we beat them and stuff like that. So that was that was a crazy moment to sort of sit back and be like, you've done all right there, to be fair. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was great, and that was yeah, that was probably like I say that was that was even better than than my debut, just to to go down there yeah. and actually properly play my part in a win. Um, such a historic win and so so many messages after that game it, it was unreal people that had mm. helped me in my career since day one and all that kind of stuff that that was amazing um and then to play um against Ireland in the back row that was an experience that <laughs> we mentioned <laughs> i didn't 
didn't like that as much because we didn't win, but it was also a dream come true to play in the back row with the, the style of play <laughs> that I like to, to adopt. So um, that was interesting as well. But um, And then obviously made, made my first start against Italy. Um, and we won that game. It looked a bit like... But nervous at the start, they scored first, and I was going on. Oh, no, like you can't get your first start against Italy yeah. at home and lose or whatever. I was like that would be the end of me. That the career, international career done. <laughs> but we turned it around. We played well. We we ended up beating them pretty comfortably, and then ended up scoring a try as well, which was which You're was nice. One so, of the greats. Um, yeah, one of the greats. Yeah, but my my range is from five meters out and below so it was just a classic you know pick and go um any further out than that i need to look to pass it so um no nah, it was it was a good day to score that it was it was the, the icing on the cake but yeah overall loved the whole experience like as a team uh we were disappointed with how it ended up like we obviously had a good few results but the games that we lost it was real tight margins and me sort of let them slip so um it was just mm. amazing to be involved in a team with so many world-class players like so Stuart Hogg and Finn Russell and Hamish Watson and guys like that, like eight or so of them. Ali Price has come off. All these guys went on to, to get picked for the Lions, which is amazing to see. Yeah. Um, and wasn't surprised that any of them, to be honest, the way like training with them and playing with them, uh, you get a real appreciation of how hard these guys work and, and how good they are. Um but also just all really good blokes as well, which helps. So it's amazing to see see them kick on and hopefully uh, do real well in the summer. Did you get a message from um, Warren Gatlin or anything about your line selection, versatility? Uh, no, I just missed out. Yeah, I just missed out. But I'm thinking I'll probably be on the reserve list just for utility, sort of cover any positions. So, um, yeah, next one yeah, over. Sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll hopefully he'll watch the podcast and, and he can sort of <laughs> see that message and know that I'm available if needed. Um, yeah, he, he is a big fan of the podcast, I'm sure. Oh, no doubt. <laughs> Who isn't? Who isn't? <laughs> but anyway, we had a moment there when you had no rugby. So did you ever think about what's next? Had you thought much about it before that? Or during that time were you like, shit, what am I going to do after rugby? Um, That time, yeah, that time was I was a bit like oh no what what am i going to do um yeah more circumstantial of like the whole like um lockdown and uh like it was it wasn't easy to sort of go into anything like i've always sort of thought maybe i'll stay involved in rugby somehow uh whether that's coaching or i've even looked at refereeing um but even then it was like, right, well, none of that's going on anyway. So I can't really, I can't go down coaching the locals because no one's doing anything. So the whole yeah. sporting world just stopped. So that was, that was scary. But like I said, yeah, like looking at coaching, um, looking to get involved in some coaching down here in London, um, yeah. helping out the odd session at, at Wimbledon and just going down doing the odd session a week. And then um, looking to actually get involved in doing some scrum half coaching with the, Harlequins women's team and um, they're oh, a pretty nice. decent team over here they just they just won the league and um looking to, to help out with them and sort of do some individual coaching um scrum half stuff which i'd say would be more what i'd look to to be involved in um mm. and then also looking to to study more sports psychology stuff something that i'm oh, interested yeah. in um just more more to do like being through the sort of 
things that I've been through in my career, I think it'd be a good option for me to do and particularly help out young guys coming into to sort of full-time rugby. I think um, they sort of just get left to, to figure out some harsh realities and some guys come in thinking that they're, they're going to play every game and they're the next best thing and they don't realise that guys have been doing it for years and it mm. takes more than a few good training sessions to, to warrant a, a selection in the team and how you deal with that and then on the flip side guys coming in thinking that they're not good enough and they're in the wrong environment and they shouldn't be here so um, yeah. yeah that's something that I'm, I'm, I'm looking to do but if I'm honest since uh, that sort of that scare of not knowing what I was going to do it's definitely sort of popped up my mo- motivation to, to look into to stuff after rugby because um, I don't want to be in that sort of spot again where I have no clue what I'm going to do so um, signed an extension at Quinn's for the next two seasons so really need to knuckle down and, and get get sort of cracking on with that um, while I've got the opportunity. Oh how good's that you'll be a gunner either of those especially sports site because man you've been through you've been through it all seen it all you can share on some yeah. very good lessons <laughs> yeah uh-huh. learn from your mistakes do, yeah do as i say not as i did <laughs> be one of them yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly oh mate what a journey what a career but before we get move on we've got to go to our instagram for some questions and mate you you've come up with plenty but nervous for this, if I'm honest, Jim. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> no, no, they're not too bad. Uh, first question, Haggis, thoughts? I really enjoy Haggis. It's really good, especially mm. if you get it from a chip shop and it's covered in batter. Yeah, I really, <laughs> really do enjoy that. Um, don't have it every day, like some people say when they ask, are you Scottish, do you eat Haggis all the time? No, not, yeah. not at all. Um, but yeah. when I go home from the chip shop, I'll, I'll definitely enjoy having a bit of haggis, yeah. Deep fried, jeez, I didn't know it was deep fried. Yeah. That's the way to have it, is it? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Excellent. Okay, two words to describe your gentleman area. <laughs> I know the answer that he wants me to give, which is <laughs> it's tiny and it stinks. Um, because that was a, a, a long-running joke that I st- said to a girl on a night out, and for some reason she was fascinated with it and wouldn't leave me alone after I said it. Um, so that's a that's a running joke that um, we have. Um, but no, nah, it's just tiny; it doesn't stink. <laughs> oh, classic. Okay, what is your biggest attribute on your body? Leah Cowan, what a lad. Attribute on my body. Oh, I know what he's getting at there. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I don't know how to phrase it, but if what I said before was tiny, um, the other things down there are, are both massive. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I always say that Girls don't care about how big your piece is. It's all about the balls. So <laughs> don't know how true it is, but it, it helps me sleep at night. So, yeah. It's true now. It's true now. Yeah, it's oh, over. I love it. Okay. What player did you look up to growing up? Um, as a Scottish from Arthur, looked up to Chris Cusseter. Um, 
he played for Scotland, played playing Lions tours and stuff like that. It was real exciting to watch, real running threat, real sort of um, abrasive nine, love getting stuck in. Um, Kelleher as well, Kiwi, massive bloke, yeah. just love getting stuck in. Um, but yeah, I'd say I'd say them two guys were sort of what I looked up to, but what also sort of thought, right, I'm a little bit similar to them in the way that I like the physical side of the game. Um and also love defending, which isn't really rare for a nine. Um, but yeah, that then them two guys were sort of guys that also sort of looked like they, they enjoyed that part of the game. So yeah, them two. Like that. Okay, next one. Back row, back line, number nine. What position is next for the steel man? Um good question. I reckon if I go off the rails again and put on a few pounds, then I could probably do a job at hooker as well. Um, <laughs> sort my darts out, put on a bit of weight later on in my career, drop down the leagues, have a stint in the front row. Why not? Back on the Uber Eats. Yeah, Uber Deep Eats, Deliveroo, come at me. I just have to I justify it as well by saying I need to put on weight if I want to play in the front row. I'm doing the right thing. Okay. Ask him about the time he fell in the field on his way home from a night out in Richmond. Is that from Gilly? This is from Connor. Gilly, yeah, well, um, we lived together at the time and um, I'd had a, a night out and it was, I think it was like Jeb's leaving drinks or whatever. Um, so it was a big one and we're in Richmond and then a few of the guys we went, went up to get some food and they were they were kicking on into into Clapham into Inferno's the the usual spot to, to end the night out. But for some reason, I was trying to be sensible and said, "No, nah, I'm going home. I've, I've had enough." So I got a uh, went to Byron Burger, got a big burger, whatever, and I was walking home back across Richmond Bridge, and I got caught short. And I was like, "I really need to take a shit." So I was thinking, right, just get your head down, get home probably about 15 minute walk but i get like halfway there and i was like oh no i need to i need to go here so it was a wet night and i've, I've just put my food down at the side and sort of right i'm gonna have to do it like squatted down took my jocks down did what i needed to do and as i get up i remember putting my hand on this car next to me um it was a ford ford ka i'll, I'll never forget it and i've did that so i've like pulled everything up uh, used like napkins and stuff out of my delivery bag to, to wipe <laughs> off and just chuck away and I've pulled it back up and then I've went to push off this car at the side I went like that and it's just slipped and I've just fell and like <laughs> and sat right in my shit that I've just done and I could just feel the warmth coming through my jeans onto my ass. I was going like oh my god <laughs> So I've had to like, put my jeans on, tried to wipe it off. I was like walking home and I was obviously steaming. So I get back to the flat and Gilly's there and he's in the living room just chilling. And he's like, you all right? And I was like, yeah, good mate, good mate. I'm just, got delivery. I'm just going to head upstairs. Like, what's that on, on your jeans and stuff? And I was like, it's nothing, mate. It's nothing. Real sketchy. Like, it's nothing. Get away from me. He's like, all right, chill out. Like, what is it? Like, a bit of mud of that. I was like, yeah, mate, I was... Uh, Coming back, I took a shortcut and jumped a fence and fell over in a field. He was like, we're in the middle of Richmond. There's no fields about. What are you on up there? And I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Blah, blah. Get up next morning, like, see these jeans, like, chuck them out. And he was like, what happened last night? You said, like, you were steaming through a field. I was like, 
Yeah, I actually just took a shit and then sat in it, so that's the most. <laughs> oh. oh my I gosh, really my cheeks that. are sore. <laughs> oh, I really liked that pair of jeans as well, so I was gutted that they, they had to go, but... Oh. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God, one of the greats. <laughs> what, a, what a yarn. <laughs> oh, gee whiz. That is quality. <laughs> okay, next one. Uh, talk about when the Sky Remote went missing from your room. Oh, classic. Um, <laughs> we were on a night out, had a few drinks and then when had an after party back at ours. This is when me and Gilly were living together as well. Um, and I managed to charm a nice young lady back into my room. And uh, what happened, happened, whatever. And then she was, she was, yeah, she was an interesting girl, but um, she left. And in the morning, whatever, I've woke up and I've went to turn my TV on, like hanging up my ass, just want to put the TV on, chill out with. And I'm looking there going like, where the fuck is my remote whatever for ages like cleared out my whole room whatever looked up I was like she's fucking stole my TV remote last night what is she up to um, so then I was like speaking to Gilly who was like his girlfriend knew this girl and uh, I was like this is a bit of a weird one but can you ask her if she stole my TV remote last night. <laughs> so, like, she's asked her that question. She's like, no, why would I do that? Like, this guy's a weirdo, all this kind of stuff going on for ages. And then I've moved out the flat, and I've still not found that TV remote. So I think she's lying, but to this day, that mystery's still not been solved about the TV remote. So we had a secret oh, Santa last year. Yeah, I know. We had a secret Santa last year, and... Um, and what I got for Secret Santa was it was a Sky TV remote to replace <laughs> the one that had been stolen. So that's, that's still a mystery. Still no idea what oh, happened to that. Jeez, good stuff. Gilly's come up trumps with a couple of questions. Yeah. Okay, last question. This one could be one of the greatest answers ever on the podcast, what you've been through. But one piece of advice for a young kid coming through who wants to play professional rugby. Um. If they want to properly play professionally rugby, um, it would be to to make sure that you, you never take it for granted. Um, there's a lot of people out there that would give an arm and a leg to to play one professional game of rugby for for not just their club but for any club. Um, to be able to say that they've done that. So, um, yeah, for me it would just be to to enjoy every moment, but to make the most of it. To to not look back and and say, oh. If only I'd done that. If only I'd taken it a bit more seriously, etc. Um, that that would be my bit of advice because you sort of get caught up thinking that it's a tough, tough life. You know, we do all this training, we play this brutal game, and we get bashed around. But at the end of the day, it's a it's an unbelievable lifestyle, and it's a, a great opportunity to do it. So, um, make the most of it while you can because on the other side of things, um. You don't know how long it's going to last, even if you you do do all the work yeah. with injuries and stuff. So, really, just make the most of it and make sure you can look back and say, "Well, I did everything I could." Oh, mate, I put the pressure on and you delivered. That is the best piece did, of advice you did. Yeah. You, you did put the pressure on big time. Oh, and you've delivered. You always deliver when the pressure's on. The fear, the fear gets you home. Yeah, the fear gets you through. The fear always gets you through. That's another bit of advice. <laughs> 
Oh, anyway, Steely, absolute pleasure having you on the podcast. Jeez, that was a good yarn, and what a story. It's been awesome to see you turn your career around. Like you said, you're in a you're in a tough place for a while there, but to see you on the biggest stage now, playing for Scotland, playing for your country, is just so cool to see. I've loved watching your journey, loved playing with you while I was at London Norris. You're an absolute lad, and um, yeah, thanks for coming on the podcast and sharing some absolute yarns. Cheers, mate. Really appreciate it. Um, nah. Great, great to catch up and loving the podcast. I'm, I'm a keen fan. Listen to a lot of them, especially the guys that I know. Uh, keep up yeah. the great work. Um, and sure to get get more lads on that I know over this side of the of the world, <laughs> so I can, I can tune in. Yeah, mate, you're a lad. Cheers, mate. All the best. What a lad! What a lad! What a lad.